Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline and I'm just some guy's wife now. And she's not judging, she's watching with her opinions, which is allowed. It's Ella Riz Bridger. Hi friend, how nice to be back. Uh, hi, how nice to monetize a conversation about my personal life with you. It is strange to be monetizing this conversation we have been having for months. Yeah, uh, like a yeah. year, more than a year. More than a year, yeah. Well, you know, the, the beginning of the last season of Sentimental Garbage, I was called Weddings with uh, Lauren Bravo, friend of the pod, Lauren Bravo. And it was just after I got engaged. And it felt like this nice thing of like, I am thinking a lot about weddings and their cultural effect and how that, that cultural effect is bleeding down to me, the prospective bride, and how I'm going to make choices and what choices I will make. And now it feels fitting to open the new season with weddings part two of like, what did I get right? What did I get wrong? What did I think I would feel versus how I actually felt? And you were my maid of honour. So, <laughs> And that's nice. You know, let's start at the very beginning, which is like, so you've decided you're going to nominate a person in your life to be a member of your unpaid staff for a year. Uh, This is like, I think, probably one of the most charged dynamics within female culture, right? There's been like a slew of movies about it, like a lot of rom-coms base themselves in bridesmaids and things, you know, like it's a thing. It's a thing. And I think it's strange because it's really the the key point in your life since school where you choose your favourite. Yeah. You rank and list all your friends mm-hmm. and then you, as we've discussed a lot, you choose some of them to come to the wedding. And from that group who are coming to the wedding, you choose some who can come to the Hindu. Yeah. And then if you're having lots of bridesmaids, you choose some of those women to be your bridesmaids and then you yeah. choose one to be the maid of honour. And the same is presumably true for the groom. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it is this kind of process of like, yes, it's about you and the the person you've chosen and the subculture you've created together as a twosome. A subculture of two. A subculture as we've said on this two. podcast many times. Yeah. Um, but it's also about social whittling. It's about social whittling. And I think my biggest lesson from your wedding, if I may draw lessons so early in the pod, yeah. was that a wedding is not about two people. It is about a lot more people. Yeah. It is about everybody. And that was very nice, but also very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. As someone who had had a lot of conversations with you about what quirky, non-traditional things could a wedding be? Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, before you got engaged and after you got engaged. You know, that thing where you talk about how you'll get married in a trouser suit and have a little lunch. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was interesting to me how quickly it became clear, like, oh, no, this is about two families and two sets of friends and also the wider range of acquaintances and, mm-hmm. you know, people who make dresses and people who do flowers. And there's a whole... It's a whole web of connections, mm-hmm. a wedding. And all you're having to negotiate and kind of go through all of that at every single step. Mm-hmm. And you don't really do that very much in adult life. Yeah. This thing of 
Who should go where? What should they do? How can we construct a dynamic out of a lot of disparate people who are only connected via us? We are the nexus of this yeah. Of yeah. this web, which is fascinating. And that doesn't just include friends and family, but that includes like the musician meeting the venue manager. The view, like, as in, like the musician that you chose meeting the manager that you chose meeting the um ce- celebrant that you chose. It's like it's like yeah, the only thing these people have in common is that you have asked them to be a, in a place. You know, I was having brunch with some people I know and some people I don't know the morning after your wedding. And I was like, in this very small town, yeah, very far away. And I was thinking, there is no situation in the world in which I would be having brunch with this collection of people, except that all of us know Caroline. Yes. Or Gavin. Yeah. And that was really, to me, felt like the point of the wedding. Mm-hmm. To be like, we have all, we have come with a singular purpose. Very, you know, Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, following a star. Yeah, it it is this thing of um, of the many lessons I have learned from having a wedding, which I will impart on you, the listener, now, even though you might not care at all. <laughs> like <laughs> this is, uh, I'm gonna try. I think there's a real temptation after you've had a wedding that's been in any way successful to be incredibly sanctimonious and position yourself as an authority on weddings when really all you are is an authority on your wedding. You've had one wedding. You've had one wedding and and you you were married by the end of it so therefore it was a success. Um, But there's this kind of tradition in Ireland and the wedding was in Ireland uh, that it's three days which I don't generally experience with, no, uh, I've never been been to a three day wedding. Yeah, um, so you have the, the drinks the night before, you have the, um, the the full day, obviously, and then you tend to have like a day two, like a like a barbecue or a something the day after. I'm sure lots of people do this, but it's like particularly prevalent among Irish people, probably because um, you know traditionally lots of people coming from rural places and therefore. Stay, I have to stay somewhere for a well, while. Well, this is what I was thinking about. I was yeah. thinking about, is it also to do with emigration? Like, does it stick around because so many people have left the country from different places and yeah. it's like, and now you have come back and you're not yeah. going to come back for just one night. Yeah, exactly. I think it's nice. I, it, it was really nice. And what I would say is that I I walked in on Friday night into this this back room of a bar where everyone I know had taken various insane transport measures to get to this place, which was in rural Kerry, which was either they they flew to an airport and had to get either a bus, a lift, a taxi, um, my brother after work just like ferrying them down or whatever, to this random okay bar with a rental back room. And I had a total fucking panic attack. Uh, And I just couldn't... Not panic attack in the sense that I was like hyperventilating or anything, but it was like I just could not relax. I could not connect with the moment. All I could think was, I am responsible for occupying these people's bank holiday weekend. (laughs) They have spent so much money getting to this place that has really nothing. I mean, it's a a very charming town, but like very charming, yeah. Not that, not like a ton to recommend. It's not like, for example, someone getting married in Malaga and then you get to spend the week in Malaga. You know, like I mean, I think I prefer this, but sure. If you want to invite me to a wedding in Malaga, I will. Listeners, <laughs> I will probably go. Yeah, <laughs> love a wedding, love a holiday. Right. Um. And so I, I just felt like, and all evening, people kept coming up to me to reassure me that the vibe was good and correct. Yes. Yes, I, I I recall that being yeah. a key part of Friday night. Was Lots, being like, yeah, yeah. Is Pat 
pat, Caroline. Pat, pat, pat her down. Yeah, and um, then it was like this, and I, and I, the entire time I was just worrying. Oh my god, is this how I'm going to feel tomorrow? Am I going to feel like I can't connect with the moment? I'm so panicked by everyone being around me. I'm so overwhelmed by the attention, and this is also coming from a person who, I, something I said a lot going up to the wedding is being like, I'm in a lot of work situations where probably too much attention is being like every every few months I have to do an event where it's like oh there's a lot of people looking at me at once kind of thing and I feel like I've metabolized that and therefore it doesn't freak me out and therefore I won't be freaked out when it comes around and then I was totally freaked out but that was what was quite good about having the Friday right is that you were very freaked out on the Friday and at the actual wedding you were not freaked out well we'll get into the full wedding day but once the wedding began you were yeah. not freaked out at all. No, it was just everything was also, funny. And I also think that was true of the guests. Yeah. I think the guests, I would now say that I'm a huge advocate of the pre-wedding yeah. mixer uh-huh. because it meant that everybody had found their friends. Yeah. Everybody was sure that they all had the same idea of what kind of wedding they were going to. Mm-hmm. There was not that sense of maybe I'll be the only one in fancy dress. Not that mm-hmm. your wedding was fancy dress, mm-hmm. but you know that feeling of like going into school on an own clothes day? Yeah. Yes, that is it. Going to school on an own clothes day. Often is... that's what going to a wedding feels like. Yeah. You're like, this will be all the people we know, but they'll all be doing a different thing. And yeah. maybe, maybe I will be the only one in a wedding, a, a yeah. wedding guest outfit. I don't know. There's a, sometimes a feeling when you go to a big event of being like, ooh, what will happen? It's like probably the same things as happen every day. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> because, and that was the nice thing about your wedding was it was very special, but it was also very much like, Oh, these are our friends from every day. And here are some new friends Mm. from there every day. It felt very much part of our lives, which I really liked. Yeah, I I really felt that way too of like, it's a hard thing to be like, I want it to feel special, but I don't want it to feel like I'm cosplaying as a life that I don't have and don't want, you know? And I think that's a weird line in bridal culture. So much of wedding is cosplay. Yeah. It's cosplaying. We live in this big house. We're just yeah. throwing a party. Imagine if we lived in this big house. We live in this country house. We've kind of got a lake. Don't worry about it. We've got a swing that overlooks a lake. We just live here. This is normal for us. This is just a, a normal party that we might have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a weird thing for us to accept. And I think you do have to accept it, that there is a measure of fancy dress. There is a measure of pretending about a wedding mm-hmm. because it's like, why are we here? Why are we yeah. here in this big house? We're here because our own house is not nice or big enough to have a <laughs> Neither wedding. Neither nice of, nor big enough. Or license for marriage. But and I think it's weird. It's like it makes weddings such a sentimental garbage subject because they are so easy to make fun of because of the grand pointlessness of them and the 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 point the kind of the odd formal useless fripperies within each of them, like the first dance, the dad's speech giving her away no one can see the bride until you know until the she's going up the aisle and if they see her before that it's going to be awful kind of thing all these traditions that exist and seem so stupid but actually in the context of the beats of the day are like everything you're like oh i see the reason for this i see the reason for this and even when i couldn't see the reason i was like yes this feels correct yeah and i think that was really interesting to me having to spend all this time talking about like ooh, you can be any kind of bride you want and it's like no you will be a standard bride yeah the bride does the thing because that's what she does. And the father of the bride does his thing because that's what he does. And the groom does the thing and the best man does yeah. the thing. And I think I was surprised by 
how traditional a wedding you had and mm-hmm. how inevitable and easy having a traditional wedding felt. And every time you were like, maybe I'll do this thing a bit differently. It was like, oh, God, why? that's, that's going to take ages and no one will like it. <laughs> that's it. And I think it was bizarrely comforting to be like, oh, we do this because this is what we do as a culture. Mm-hmm. We fall into these rhythms because these are the rhythms we have decided mark this occasion. Yeah. It felt very much like you were doing something very old and very traditional. And of course you are. You're getting married. It's the, yeah. It's as traditional as it gets. And it was interesting to me that everything felt that it had a place. I mean, I think I'm right that the maid of honour and the bride didn't used to speak. Yes, yeah. And so that was nice. Yeah, so it was very important to me that, like, as many women talked all day as men did, you know. And you, and you managed that? Yeah. 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 My celebrant was a friend of the pod, Jen County. My, uh, the kind of the longest reading was from Sarah Griff performing a Hero Lindsay Bird, Bird poem. Then a speech by you, a speech by me. Like, I felt, I felt really good about it. I was like, no, I'm, I, if I have, I basically have only one objection to the modern, like, wedding industrial complex, which is that women put all the work into it and then they are in, sort of invisible in a weird way on the day yes everyone looks at the bride and yes she is the focal point but in terms the amount of weddings I have been to where like the bride's essential character has been ignored and no woman has spoken at all all day that that really upsets me (laughs) I think it's interesting isn't it about the bride's essential character being ignored yeah because it's part of that cosplay thing of I'm going to put on a big white dress and Mm -hmm a ton of makeup and we will pretend all day that I am a beautiful silent virgin Barbie Mm -hmm. and I will be having fun but I will be having fun in a feminine and approved way Yeah, and I think that is what's hard about a traditional wedding right is that there's not a lot of room wriggle room for how you feel about gender or how you feel about yourself Mm. you can slot into those roles easily and there's obviously a pressure to do so yeah because for example you had a hair and makeup lady. Yes. Which was surprising to me. Surprising to me too. Yeah. Because there were several choices I made where I was like, I'm surprised I'm making this choice. It's against what I thought I would want, but actually makes total sense and I feel fine with. You know, it didn't feel like I was capitulating or, you know, selling off some essential belief. It was like, no, she's good at this. Right. And I tried to like fight off the makeup lady. Mm-hmm. Because you don't really doesn't... wear makeup. I don't ever. really wear makeup. Yeah. I don't really do very much. And she was impossible to fight off. Mm-hmm. I was actually like, nothing on my skin, please. And she was like, painting my face with a brush. And I, she was like, this is nothing. <laughs> I was like, well, it's not. And she was like, it's just creams and lotions. <laughs> I was like, right. Yeah, yeah, that is something. That is something. But I was glad that she'd done it. Mm-hmm. And I think what was really interesting was you and I spending the first 10 minutes after having our makeup done, looking in the mirror, being like, no, too much, yeah. not us. Yeah. And then the rest of the day being like, we are the most beautiful women who've ever lived. Yeah, And I think that was interesting too in giving way to that, in that I have fought off a makeup artist on every photo shoot I've ever had. Yeah, Like the times I have failed to fight it off, I find the pictures terrifying. Yeah, same. There's that one for, I did a photo shoot for the Times a few years ago where they put eyeliner all around my eyes like Kate Middleton. And the picture, I look deranged. 
I look so deranged. You definitely didn't look deranged, but it's like, it's that thing of like when you feel like a departure from your actual self. It, it, it has that, I think everyone has that uncanny valley moment where they see a picture of themselves where they've been made up to by, by somebody who doesn't know them. And it's just like a little to the left of who they actually are. And that that is very unsettling. Which is hard if you're fighting it. And I think the thing about weddings is maybe you just got to lean in to the idea that you are a little to the left of your everyday self. Yeah. Because I do think we look like ourselves. In all the pictures I've seen, we look yeah. like Ella and Caroline, just very fancy. <laughs> um, so the I, I did the uh, increasingly popular uh, legal wedding first in near our house in Lewisham uh, in a borrowed dress and a borrowed veil. And it was really beautiful. And... I spent the day then walking around the South Bank with Gav in a wedding dress, which there's a temptation for all weddings for it to be like a hermetically sealed environment where it's like we've created this little community and now we're going to like seal them all in this country house. But I say to anyone, if you're ever getting married, to have an opportunity where you have to go out and be turned out into the world wild, it is the best experience of your life. (laughs) People will just applaud. (laughs) As you walk around, like we we all we're all familiar of the Great Expectations, Mrs. Havisham character or Miss Havisham rather, um, but I finally got it when I was walking around the South Bank. I was like, I could just do this every other Saturday or whenever I needed a hit and have the best time because people are just so excited to see, like, oh wow, the Victorian social order is being upheld and she's got a big thing coming out of her head and and a white dress and wow, God, gosh, I've seen something today. I've seen like a D-list celebrity today, you know. I'm always pleased to see a wedding. Yeah, whenever I, whenever I walk past a wedding, I'm pleased. Whenever I see a bride in the wild, thrilled. Yeah, and I think there's something about just being like those people are having a really happy day. Yeah, it's so nice. You very, I mean, you hope they're having a happy day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I think is the thing you can't arrange for a wedding mm-hmm. is people being truly in love and very happy. And I would say the thing that was the key of your wedding was not to be too sentimental or garbage Mm -hmm. was it was very full of love and it was very happy and everybody was very happy and full of love yeah and I think that that's the sort of you know the magic element that's the that's X you can't solve for it Mm -hmm. and I've been to quite a few weddings and yours was probably the most full of love I mean everybody cried in the speeches including everyone giving a speech (laughs) and this is um Something I spoke about in the first wedding episode was in- engagements and uh, the fact that me and Gav were together eight and a half years before we got engaged. And uh, for some of us, not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, had to spend. He had to yeah. spend a long time thinking to, of teaching yeah. the terriers to bark in tune, to carry the ring to you. <laughs> There was obviously, as with all best friends, a long conversation about like, so what the fuck is going on with this proposal already? And we decided that like, oh, he's just teaching some terriers to bark in tune. That's all. And like the amount of time it took. Yeah, he probably could have done that. But I would say that like, and I and I know it's funny because once you kind of come out with that kind of information, lots of people come up to you being like, oh, me and my boyfriend are in the same situation. It's like, it's like the, the private agony of many uh, women of like, what's going on? I believe in feminism and we have an equal household, but also will he just ask me to marry him? Um, I would say the huge benefit of being together a long time before you get married is that like, I think for the majority of weddings I have been to, the couple have been together for between maybe two and four years. And 
there's like a sense of like, gosh, well, he's lovely and she's lovely and they're probably going to make a really lovely life together and like we're, we're dead happy for them. But I feel like there were so many people in that room who had like gone to festivals with us, got on holidays with us, like stayed in our house. You know, like it, people were like, had a lot of experiences of us as a unit and therefore were rooting for the unit more and it felt like a much more, I don't know, heightened think, environment because of it. I think it wasn't as disparate as weddings often are because there wasn't that sense of and the groom who we kind of know because he's our friend's boyfriend yes exactly exactly yeah I would say most of the friends there yeah were people who knew maybe one of you better but both of you pretty well yeah and that was lovely I I think there is something in what you're saying in the the long not the long engagement (laughs) something else (laughs) just a long game you know the long game it meant that there was no sense of like, will they make it? Yeah. Ooh, what's this one? It was very yeah. much like, oh, this is the... It didn't feel like the beginning of something. It felt like the formalisation of something that was already real. And yeah. I think that's increasingly true with marriages, right? Yeah. Which is nice because it's why the divorce rate is dropping. Yeah. Because people, people get married. are really sure. People wait till they're sure. Mm-hmm. Rather than being like, well, I would like to have sex with you. So please. Yeah. To the church. Yeah. Or I'm 23 and I'm the last girl on the shelf in my town. (laughs) Which is such a recent mindset and it's so bonkers. It's so recent and so far away at the same time. Yeah. I kept thinking about this, like how we are kind of at least 10 years older than the previous generation. Or not the previous generation, but like maybe a generation and a half ago. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you read old books and it's like, she's an old spinster of 26. Oh God, 26 is the real danger age for women in old books, isn't it? Time to put on a purple gown. Yeah. (laughs) Have a little dog. (laughs) Which, to be fair, you do have a little dog. Yeah, I do. And I wonder whether something about it being such a traditional wedding, but feeling so, like, freely chosen, you know? Mm. feeling like you were both going into it with your eyes open about everything about the other person. Yeah. Which was very much two of the speeches, right? Which was, I felt like everybody was very definitely talking about you and Gavin and your families as they are. Yeah. What I found very nice, to kind of a small segue, was how much you talked about Gavin's family and how much Gavin talked about your family as being like, and now we will learn. <laughs> Gavin being like, I hope that we the days can learn from the O'Donoghue's this thing and yeah. you know, much like and I long to learn peace from the days <laughs> yeah and I think that that comes from long knowledge and lots of time yeah spent like it was lovely to me the way your parents talked about Gavin and the way that I'm gonna cry I'm gonna cry thinking about it oh, no. when you did your speech and Deb's Gavin's mum just got up and held you. Yeah. Just while you yeah. were speaking, just put, just stood up from her chair to put her arms around you, because you were crying. Caroline cried. Of course, I cried. I cry like recounting the plots of bad films. <laughs> <laughs> On I this very podcast. <laughs> I didn't cry in my speech, but I cried enough during everybody else's speech to uh, fully soak a napkin. <laughs> it's true. It's not even a metaphor. It's just what happened. Just what um. But the thing is, like, I mean, there was some fucking chaos getting there, wasn't there? 
Yeah, I was sort of wondering to what extent we would talk about. Oh, the we chaos. gotta talk about because I think it's important to talk about everything that went wrong at your wedding. Okay, well, I think what we know is that every wedding there has to be a fuck up. Yeah, and at yours there were two fuck ups, and they both happened within fifteen minutes of one fifteen another. minutes of each other, and an hour before the ceremony. Or 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 two hours before the ceremony, depending <laughs> depending on who you ask. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think. In hindsight, it was good that they both happened so close together and before the day had really started. Mm. At the time, I could see that. Uh-huh. I was thinking at the time, and I remember saying to you, it's fine, it's happening before, it's all happening before, mm-hmm. and by the end of the day, we're not even going to be thinking about this ever again. Yes. Obviously, I hadn't thought about well, talking about it on the podcast the, later. Here's the thing. There were many, there were many fuck-ups in the in the lead up to this wedding, and I, I uh, this is something that like when I say trad wedding, I don't say, mean that I like I chose this very traditional method because I myself have traditional values. I mean to say that I am lazy. I am, or, or rather not lazy, just like I have a lot of focus available to me for the things I care about, and the things I don't care about, they disappear into the ether mm. and are just smoke and figment. And what I don't care about. <laughs> yes, I would say that is true. Yeah, the yeah. number of times I would say to you, probably starting a year ago, mm-hmm. you're like, Caroline, do you want to talk about this wedding? Is there anything we need to plan for the wedding? And you'd be like, oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like six months away. It's ages. Yeah, it's ages. Yeah. And I'd be like, have you got flowers? And you'd be like, oh, flowers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really care about flowers. Like right, okay, just another thing to file away for me to think about in the dead which of is, night. Which is like not not for me to like be like, oh, I'm I'm so chill, I don't care. I did care about having a nice day. I just wasn't willing to put in any of the effort that it took for most brides to make a nice day for themselves. I instead put that psychological burden on you. <laughs> you put the psychological burden on me, and you wrote a book and moved house. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I also just went to I. I we found that we went to this venue, and what's quite nice about that is that uh, I, I went to this place when I was very young with my brother. To uh, it's like the, the halfway point between our house in Cork and our little caravan that we have in Kerry, where we go on our summer holidays. And uh, this is the waypoint. Kenmare is the town is called. There was this, this house where we used to do like water sports, like kayaking and stuff. We used to like it was the big treat of like mum. The day was fine, and mum had fifty quid in her pockets. Like right, we're gonna go and do some little activity here, and it was so special. We had so many special days there. I th- I always thought I'm gonna get married there, and then I forgot about it completely. And then years later, I me and Gavin were passing, and he was like, "This place is amazing," and it all kind of came back. So it was like that lovely kind of fairy tale childhood wedding dream, right? And then what happened was like, okay, I am not interested in this at all. <laughs> I, I I have had my moment of re- remembering the place that I wanted to get married when I was a child. And now I will simply give my money to the people who own this venue and they will do everything. And I will not think about place names or activities that people can do or photo booths or or, or anything or, or naming a table or anything like that. And I'm just going to like leave it in their capable hands and then and then fuck off. And because of that, several things happened, which were uh, my fault, I would say. Yeah. The only thing I want to add is saying to you at one of those conversations, like, why are you not planning this wedding? And you're saying, Ella, if I wanted to be a wedding planner, I'd be a wedding planner. <laughs> I don't, so I'm going to pay someone who does want to do it to do it. And 
I think, broadly speaking, a great lesson in being like, no, do yeah, no. do the things you enjoy. And if you're not enjoying it, stop. When the fun stops, stop. When the fun stops, stop. And I think it's important to remember that before we get into the fuck ups. Yeah. That the fuck ups occurred, at least in part, because when the fun stopped, you stopped. Yeah. <laughs> when the fun stops, I always stopped. Like one day I'll walk away from this podcast and there will be no explanation other than it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. And I think that's a great trait. But I think the fuck ups on the day were more than balanced out by the lack of psychic stress you had about this wedding in... I would say you acquired a bit of psychic stress about it in like the three weeks beforehand mm-hmm. because you were also moving house. And, and also realising it was too late to change anything if I did want to change anything. Yes, I think you being like, but what if I do now want flowers? Yeah. Different flowers. And I think you avoided like 11 months of stress. By having a couple of fuck-ups. Yeah, actually, do you know what? They paid for themselves as fuck-ups. The fuck-ups were paid for by you being like, I've got six months to this wedding and I'm not going to think about it at all. I've bought a dress online. It's in a bag. You think it suits me? It's in the bag. And that's done. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think that was that great. Was that was so great. The lack of faff. Yeah. Because for most people, planning a wedding is a full-time job that they have to do on top of their real job. And you just didn't. <laughs> you just didn't do any of it. And that's what I want to say before we talk about the fuck-ups is if you decide that one day of your life is less important than 11 and a half months of your life, mm. there will be fuck-ups, but I think that's reasonable. And I, I thank you. And I don't think that is, um, uh, it's not so much a symptom of me, again, I'm not trying to like, pose myself as this very cool, chill bride thingy or whatever, no. or within, within that sort of trope. It's more that when you are a freelancer, you have a such a deep sense of how much your time is worth. And that like, yeah, as a, as a freelance a writer on podca- and podcaster, I spend a great deal of my time sort of frittering away and just sort of like looking mm. at trees and walking around the park with you and, and just doing this and that and the other. But I regard that time as quite precious to the generation of new ideas. Any minute I spend that is like looking at the T's and C's of a florist's website or looking at horrible wedding photography, most of, it, most of which is fucking terrible, and then reading the T's and C's of that website, is like that is focus that should be going on something that matters and and also something that pays me. So I have a I had a very deep sense of like what my hourly rate is and whether that money would whether I would save money giving that to, that responsibility to somebody else. I think that's fair and also you don't find it fun. It's not fun. Whereas I can see that any you know me. I love yeah. to plan an elaborate little party. Mm-hmm. You've had book launches where I've been like, time to stay up all night, sticking little bunting together. <laughs> yeah. What if the bunting said the name of the character? <laughs> um, and I find it very enjoyable. I love to sew little things. I love to make little things. I love to be cutting and sticking all day long. Mm. You hate it. There was a part um, during all those where you said to me, I, really, it should be me who's planning the wedding and you who's planning the Hindu. And you were right. That would have been better. Yeah, that would yeah. have been a much better system. <laughs> but I think what's important about that is the wedding was beautiful and the Hindu got a write-up in the Sunday Times. <laughs> <laughs> so, you so, know, yeah. it turns out that when we both step out of our comfort zones and you pay a wedding planner and I meticulously plan a Hindu with many little spreadsheets, we're both, we're both fine. We're both fine. Aren't the fuck-ups... On to the fuck-ups. The first, which is all that anyone really wants to hear about. Yeah, the, the first, juicy part. The first fuck-up, uh, which I don't think you'd even arrived in the country by this point, was me 
not understanding the high euphemistic language of bridal chat. When I was given a tour of the venue, I was told, and here is where the bridal party readies and collects themselves. I went, great, a place to get ready. (laughs) Mm. Readying yourself and getting ready are two different things within the bridal language. Uh, Getting ready is obviously hair straighteners, uh, ring lights for makeup, makeup artists, plugs, chairs, all the bits. Readying yourself is taking (laughs) a few deep breaths and turning to your friend and saying, okay, okay. And I thought they were offering me one thing when in fact they were offering me a small room with a blue couch in it where I was like, but I have no, I, I am literally, I am staying in a tiny Airbnb. There's nowhere for me to even bring my makeup artist. This is the day before the wedding and I realise I have nowhere to get ready. Yes. And I think that is literally you just, the words readying yourself and get ready, <laughs> having different, but I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's that euphemistic language the euphemistic language about weddings. Yeah. We would never say, are you, this is your room to ready yourself, yeah. but not your room to get ready in daily life. No, it's insane. And it's insane that they would think that somebody who's never had a wedding would understand that. And honestly, I couldn't believe they've never had this problem before. But apparently they've never had. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yes. Like, because people, people have put themselves in the bride headspace of, and I will become a different person who needs a room to gather myself, to ready myself. And I think part of your problem was that you didn't put yourself in the bride headspace until pretty much you were in a wedding dress walking down the aisle. Yeah, yeah. And it was so, that was so stressful um, because I had to, what ended up happening was, so I I was in Airbnb, everyone I knew was in Airbnb, everyone Mm. was basically in a two-room bungalow for the most part, except for Gavin's and an uncle who I met for the first time a year ago, Tony and Leslie. And their their son and daughter, Matt and Emma, uh, they had rented a large house uh, at the corner of the town with like five bedrooms or whatever and a huge sitting room and all that kind of stuff. And they offered their house to get ready in, which we were there at 9am. You'd never met them. I've met them a handful of times and we're like, okay, we're here at 9am and we're leaving at two o'clock and like, we're going to spend this whole time this whole in your house. This whole precious morning. Yeah. This whole like deeply symbolic freighted morning with these people we don't know. And I would say it was really one of my favourite parts of the wedding. Yeah, I loved because it. Because it was so pure. It was purely what a wedding is for. Yeah. Was Gavin's family being like, of course, get ready here. And Gavin's cousin's wife, me just being like, I can't steam this dress because the woman has put a curl in my hair. I have curly hair. This is this is the wedding madness. Yeah. This woman has curled my hair and she says, if I steam this dress, I'll yeah. go back to my normal curls, which are less good than her curls. So we met 20 minutes ago. Here's a steamer. Yeah, it was lovely. And like that family also very prepped to receive that kind of thing. Oh, they were great. Full Suzanne, Matt, Matt's, Matt's wedding. Matt, 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 Suzanne, who is Matt's bride and who, again, I only met once at her wedding. Um, I was in the room where my wedding dress was trying to tape my own breasts to my own rib cage and not not succeeding. And she came in and she was like, oh, oh, sorry. I was like, no, please come in. How are you at taping breasts to rib cages? And she was like, yeah, give it a go. And like, again, a woman I have met once, like very much nipples out, like my hands over my head, her precisely measuring a piece of tape against my tit, cutting it and sticking it. Like I was like, this, I love this. Actually, <laughs> I, I sort of love this. And... You know, when you forgot your bag and her being like, 
well, take my bag. I yes. carried it on my wedding day. You carry it. It was a present from my mother-in-law. Yeah. And I was like, this is what weddings are for. And like your niece just kind of hanging around watching everything incredibly carefully. Which is where we got the quote from the top of this episode, which is, I'm not judging. I'm watching with my opinions, which is allowed. <laughs> Robin is 11 and I love her. Strong opinions, strong feelings and strong strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Never voiced, which I really was like, yeah. wow, you're keeping it, keeping it all close. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was the moment when I was like, oh, this is why we have weddings like this. Mm-hmm. Because it's important to be part of the new family. It's important yeah. to be like, we are building a new thing where Gavin's cousin's wife will now be perfectly comfortable handling my breasts. <laughs> <laughs> right? It was it was just so lovely. And this is like, as we get into the further fuck-ups, with every fuck-up, except for one fuck-up, the, 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 the thing that rushed to meet it was so much more delightful than the planned thing. Because what I've mostly learned about weddings is like, I feel about 5% closer to Gavin. We're, we were in love then, we're in love now. We're really happy to be husband and wife. We can't stop saying it to people. Um, but I feel so much closer to everybody in my life because it's, and, and to, I guess, people and community in general, because you realise that people are waiting for an excuse to help you. And because of how we've set up our society, they don't feel like it's their place to most of the time. You know? That I think was really clear. I think, and that's what the fuck ups are for. Yeah, that's what they're for. They're for somebody else in your life who you didn't expect to rise to the occasion. On to the second fuck up. <laughs> Go. Which is which is the second fuck up? Okay, well, be, well, actually, this is um because the second this, and third. This is, this is first fuck up B actually. First fuck up B. So so the 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 readying yourself slash getting ready that was fuck up one. This is fuck up one B. So because I didn't think I would have a place to get, I, I, I thought I was getting ready at the venue and then I would simply walk down the lawn and into the arms of my new husband. Um, such a beautiful image. Such a beautiful image. I was obsessed with it. And I therefore did not arrange a wedding car because I didn't, if, if like, if the ceremony is happening on the lawn and then we're just going inside to have dinner, like what's the point of having a wedding car if you're not going from the chapel to a venue, right? That's the, that's what a wedding car is really supposed to be for. But luckily, my brother Shane, who is my next eldest brother, um, he, I, I not sorry, I have two brothers. One of them is very close in age to me. His name is Rob. The next one up is about seven years older than me. His name is Shane. Um, we he still lives in Cork, so we see very little of one another. I love him dearly, but like we definitely aren't in each other's lives on a daily basis. But he works at an Audi dealership, and I called him two days before the wedding, and I was like, "You're gonna have to find me a wedding car. I'm really sorry." <laughs> But you're just going to have to sort this out for me. Not only did he find it for me, he made me some custom plates for it as well, which is very sweet. And so on my wedding day, when we were getting ready in Gavin's aunt and uncle's rented house, I was then picked up by my big brother, who was also my driver for the day, and just like piled my big dress into the car next to him, honked on his last Mary (laughs) and was ready to go. And we were on our way to the venue and we got... What will now be fuck up two? Yes. A phone call. Uh, also in the car. Also in the car. On me. In the back seat. Next to me is Robin. Yes. Eleven. Mm-hmm. Flower girl. And Caroline's dad. Yep. A big character. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> I would say he's slight. Before we picked him up, your brother said, He's not going to like going in the back. <laughs> and he, I don't think he did. No, he did not. Yeah, put him in a, put him in a bad mood for a little while, yeah. Get uh, in the back. Put him in the back of an Audi. Um, and uh, the then we get a phone call saying, hey, what time is this wedding again? And I was like, it's at two. Or, yeah, it's at two. They're like, okay, everyone thinks it's at three. Mm, I would say a real moment. Yeah. And I... And realising, like, working backwards in my head and thinking, yes, I see exactly what's happened here. I see why some people think two and some people think mm-hmm. three. And also thinking, I have to get this phone away from Caroline. <laughs> yeah. I have to get... Well, I mean, what happened was, if you recall, your nephew rang your brother, mm-hmm. his father, didn't know he was on loudspeaker, and was like, Dad, Dad, you've got to keep Caroline away. You need to delay her. And then when Shane was like, what? He was like, I don't know, I don't know. Jill told me to ring you. And I was like, in the back, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is what is happening? And then your sister being like, ah, yeah. Some people think it's a bit later, so they're not, here. no one's really, some people are here. But the moment I would say when it was just your teenage nephew being like, dad, you have to delay Caroline. I don't know why. My auntie told me to ring you. Oh. I God, it was awful. Just that coming through on the loudspeaker. Coming through on the loudspeaker, interrupting Cher. Yeah. We've just been driving along listening to Cher, <laughs> thinking, a wedding, we're all yeah. done. Mm-hmm. What could go wrong now? We've gathered ourselves in a different room. Yeah, the song was just like Jesse James. It was really beautiful. It was really nice. Me and my brother just holding hands and singing just like Jesse James and was- vaping <laughs> in my <laughs> wedding dress. It was great. I wish I had a picture, but all our phones were in the boot of the Audi. Mm-hmm. Because wedding car. Because it's the wedding car. Uh, and so, yeah, it turns out that the invite said three, and then it was changed to two because the numbers got slightly bigger between us, the invites, and the, the save the dates in the invites. And then it was changed to two because for catering, they start earlier, whatever. So, yeah. Then people had to be dragged from the town where this is not, you cannot walk to this location from the town. You need to be driven. There are two taxi drivers in this town. Their names are Liam and Niall. And they're not nice men. (laughs) Sometimes you get Liam's wife. She's okay. Um, (laughs) And so it's like, how can we get people into this venue? And and okay, they got there. What's important is that I could see... Caroline's dad being like, I think I will get out of the car with Robin Mm -hmm. and I will go and stand on this grass verge with my granddaughter Mm -hmm. and leave my daughter with her friend and her brother Mm -hmm. to figure this out. Figure this out, yeah. And then it was a kind of sort of trying to telepathically communicate with Shane. Mm -hmm. No more loudspeaker calls. Every call about this must be taken away from Caroline. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a good, good call. I think if you are a maid of honour or any kind of bridesmaid or best man and there is a fuck up, your job is to be like, 
this is not a fuck up for you to handle. Take 10 yeah. steps that way and let us make some calls. It's so strange to have. And then so shortly after this, another fuck up is coming. Mm. <laughs> About 10 minutes later, uh, another phone call came from Ash, the best man, to say that the ceremony musicians had not arrived. Mm. And given that they thought that this, the ceremony was at two, we are currently in a situation where we are driving around this very much one horse town trying not to be seen by wedding guests <laughs> because yes. you cannot break the spell and, uh, and and burning time between two and three o'clock. The ceremony musicians very much knew that it was two o'clock because it was in all the emails that I sent to them. They used to be in Riverdance together. They told me that several times. Um, and uh, they just hadn't, hadn't turned up. And it was now 2.45. And then my brother rang them and it turns out that they had double booked themselves and that uh, the fiddle player had uh, bought, bought a new phone last week and his Google Calendar dates did not translate to the new phone and he's very sorry. What was interesting though was trying to get you to accept that it was a Google Calendar fuck up and not maliciousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an interesting thing and a worth worth dwelling on for a second, yeah. if I may. Sure. Which is that it was very clear to me that these fuck-ups would be in the past so quickly. Yeah. And that they would be funny quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And they are. And they are funny. It's funny that you put a different time on the reminder text and the invite. Mm-hmm. It's funny that a man was just like, a man in your phone, known only as... Brendan Fiddle. Brendan Fiddle. It's funny that Brendan Fiddle was, <laughs> would, had fiddled too hard. <laughs> and just thinking, all we have to do is get past this piece of time mm-hmm. and not to let Caroline think that this is some kind of personal slight attack or mm-hmm. omen. Would you like to know what was going on in my head? Because I'm sure how I was behaving. Actually, How, how would you say I was behaving at this point? Oh, like a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> like a person... I would say like a person who has just found out the most like destabilising news of all mm-hmm. time. Yeah, like your dad isn't your dad. Like... That's exactly how you were behaving. You were behaving as if the phone call had instead said, oh, wait, you picked up Peter? You know he's not a real dad, right? <laughs> I would say, And I, I could see your brother being like, this emotional reaction is not correctly sized. Mm-hmm. There is nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. And him just being like, saying to me, do you think some cups of water would help? I'm being like, yes some cups of water would really help. Because I could see that he needed a job because he was so keyed up for his job of, yeah. I drive. Uh-huh. I drive smoothly and correctly. Uh-huh. And he was like, I'll get cups of water. And later at the reception, he was like, I knew every time I opened my mouth to speak, I'd say something completely stupid or wrong. <laughs> so I thought, if I go and get cups of water, then I can be useful and just let the friend do this bit. <laughs> like, oh, was... I didn't know you had that conversation. That's so sweet. <laughs> Shane and I bonded very deeply over that moment. That's so nice. I think we're friends now. Yeah, I really a great friend, a real friend in need. I felt very close to the O'Donoghues as a clan. Yeah. You were very, you were very, like a very big and very welcoming clan. Oh, well, that's nice. It was very nice. So now we're in a position where... No guests, no musician. Almost everything in my head, the bride, who the social responsibility of this wedding being a total failure will rest on because the star also has, like brides are the star. Like, the groom is a guy in a suit, right? <laughs> yes. And uh, also helped by the fact that we knew that Gavin was at the venue yeah. 
And I could, in my mind, think, I bet Gavin's having an okay day. And apparently they were having a great time over there. Um, But this thing of, like, what was happening to me was, I think, I don't know if everybody has this, but I certainly feel it very keenly. Um, And maybe a lot of people who are writers or self-employed have this thing, where a certain sense of, like, I am not made for real life, in a way. Yes. Um, and I'm not I'm not like trying to do this like terminal uniqueness thing. It's more just like, oh, I I don't really have birthday parties because they would go wrong because I can't have that kind of thing, kind of thing. You know, I I think I am over that now. But um, there there's this huge sense that came over me of like, of course you couldn't have a wedding. Look how much it's all falling apart right now. You had nowhere to get ready because you didn't. You're not a real bride. You're not real um and then you know of course you put the wrong time on the invites of course even though you have proof right here in your phone saying i'll see you on the 26th at two o'clock of course the guy well, didn't show up interesting to me because you did keep trying to show me and your i brother kept showing everyone the email. the email yeah to be like i didn't fuck up i didn't and everyone's like first i response, believe you your first yeah. response was i have to screenshot these emails to send to gavin so that he knows i didn't fuck up yeah and everyone being like I think Gavin will be fine. Yeah. Maybe just put your phone down, drink some water. Yeah. It's going to be okay. And I think, well, I think we keep talking about at the moment is whether you're useful or not. And I <laughs> Yeah, think I would say it's a big, um, it's really come it's, to it's the... It's a big theme for you at the moment. From to the surface lately, yeah. And I do think there's something in having a job where you just make things up. You yeah. make things up or you have a chat. That's it. Which, you're not bringing in a salary for doing something that the world... Yeah, there's no colleagues around you being like, great yeah. job today. Yeah, I mean, I assume that's what happens in offices. I also don't have a job. <laughs> just like, there's no one, there's no structure. Yeah. You're just in constant freefall of make a thing up, throw it this way, yeah. make something else. And I think particularly when you're throwing out in the phase of your career where you're like throwing out loads of ideas and being like, hope one of these sticks. Yeah. There's a sense of being in freefall and just being like, I'm just making this up, I'm making this up, I'm making this up. Yeah. And I think, I do think that everyone feels like that to an extent mm-hmm. about adult life is, I'm making this up, I'm making this up, let's hope some of this sticks. But I think when you're a writer, that's codified into your entire life. Yeah, totally. Because everything you do is so steeped in subjectiveness. Like there is no really right or wrong way to make a book. There's lots of books that do fucking mad things and don't sort of like follow any yeah. sort of code and they're great works of art and and if they're not one now then maybe people will realise it again in 10 years it's so steeped in subjectivity and there's a lot of room to play in that and so whenever I'm confronted with a task that can be done either rightly or wrongly whether it's a driving test or sewing a button onto a shirt something within me fucking freaks out and I'm, I'm I really want to get past it because I I'm I want to fix that. <laughs> I feel the same, I think, in the sense of like, I don't want to be graded. And a wedding, yeah. like it or not, people will give a grade to. Yeah. They, they will. will be comparing it to every wedding they've ever been to. And then they will be in their car the next day being like, yeah, I really like that. But I wasn't sure about the food. Yeah. The food at your wedding was great. It was great. I mean, I don't know. I think it was great. I didn't really eat. Did you eat? You nope, did not eat. I didn't eat. <laughs> okay. The food may have been great. The food I've heard was great. And certainly on the tasting day, it was lovely. Great. I... Yeah. Ate a rose of smoked salmon that your mother-in-law yeah. made me eat, and then two little pretty fours, and you ate some soup, some soup, and nothing. Yeah, a little bit of turbot. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like, it's like, 
that feeling of having taken lots of pills without water of like no how would you expect me to eat when it's just there's only chalk in my tummy it was funny though how everybody said breads don't eat yeah and people kept telling me make sure she eats your job is to make sure she eats something yeah yeah and they were like you probably won't eat either and I was like you are being ridiculous we are hungry women yeah okay. I've never in my entire life like not like, eaten there's a delicious meal there and yeah, you think yeah. that Caroline and I are going to skip it because of nervousness at the occasion yeah and I kept kind of in my head thinking we've done a lot of events exactly right and we always eat like and it turns out no it was thank god for Leslie making a delicious breakfast yeah full of sausages if it wasn't for that we'd be running on fumes I had actually put some protein bars in my handbag but it turned out they were so disgusting that I took one bite and was like nope yeah. would rather starve yeah I was very grateful for that breakfast but I think it's it's interesting I think we talk I mean there's so much press around sort of the bridezilla and the crazy bride having the freak out. And certainly if you were a passerby just walking by that driveway where I was standing, mm. vaping and freaking out and showing you my phone to prove to you I had made this email and had made this booking, you'd be like, oh, look, a mental bride yes. from culture, from you know popular culture's imagination, a mental bride. But I think so much of it, it just brings out the things you're scared of already and puts them on a platform. And I think that's probably true for everybody and whatever it is you're scared of. Yeah. Because... Some people are, are terrified of public speaking. I don't have that problem. So I didn't think about my speech at all as being like a big moment, really. I do not love public speaking. Yeah. And I thought about my speech for three days. Yeah. And I was so scared. You were so good. Thanks, pal. It was so beautiful. I tried really hard. It was really well written and really beautiful. Sorry, well written. Our least favourite word ever. Well written. Thank you. <laughs> I think whatever your fears are, a wedding will make you look at them. Mm -hmm. Like, if your fear is of commitment, if your fear is of having your family in one room, mm -hmm. if your fear is, like, if you are, like, ashamed or nervous about anything in your life, mm -hmm. the wedding will uncover it. Yeah. And the wedding will yeah. make you look at it. Like, you know... It's like when they inject dye into an organ. That's exactly what a wedding is. Yeah. And it makes you be like, oh, I have a bunch of unresolved body image issues. Yes, I think that's the one that comes from most brides. And I think that yeah. comes from most brides. And like, it's why you get all those brides who are like, I'd never go on a diet. And then it's like, I have to diet now. And you're like, what is wrong with you? Mm. You have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, if your fear is about not having enough friends or... Like, not having enough money or, like, mm -hmm. any shame or fear you have, and yours is being chaos, mm -hmm. the wedding will expose them. And I think, in a way that is bad and in a way it's also very nice. Yeah. Because, you know what, Caroline? Let's say it here on the public record. They were fuck-ups. Yeah. You should have put the same time on both. Yes, I know. I fucked and it up. You fucked it up. But so did Gavin. But, but for some so reason, he's not getting the, getting the flag for it because he's a very useful person. He's not on the podcast. <laughs> if Gavin was here, I would say it to both of you. But ultimately, everyone was coming to the wedding of Caroline and Gavin, not two perfect people who are never chaos. They're coming to the mm. wedding of Caroline and Gavin, two perfect people who are frequently chaos. Mm. And it was fine. People yeah. want to see you get married, not Barbie and Ken. I felt like we were kind of Barbie and Ken. Yeah, Barbie and Ken with a fuck up. 
fuck up Bobby and Ken. So that, that was like most of the fuck ups out of the way before the ceremony even began. We sort of, yeah. Then again, to go back to the thing of like people in your life are waiting for an opportunity to help you. God, just, everyone loved the fuck, the, the fuck ups because it yeah. gave so many people like, great, I'm going to run around the town knocking on doors for wedding guests I don't know and bringing them to the yeah, yeah. ceremony place. And then Jen, the beautiful celebrant mm-hmm. and friend of the pod, Tash Hodgson. Mm-hmm. She kind of a friend of the pod? Yeah. Yeah, she's done. She's, she's a friend of us, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine is a friend of the pod. <laughs> friend of the pod, Tash Hodgson. Tash and Jen, Tash texted me like, what can we do? What is mm. happening? The vibe is great here, which the thing I kept saying to you over and over was, the, the vibe, vibe is, is great. great there. They're happy, they're fine, they're chill. The sun is out, they're all walking around by the lake. It's really fun. They're all having a lovely day. I was like, wow, I wish I was fucking there. <laughs> Instead, I'm in this Audi on the outskirts of Kinmare. <laughs> and I think there were three things. There were two things that really helped. Three people, two things. Mm-hmm. And they were Tash and Jen, mm-hmm. who both separately messaged me like, what needs to happen? And I was like, find each other. You don't know each other, but find each other. I was like, Jen is the one in the gold dress. Tash is the one in the sort of waterfall thing with flowers on it. Find each other and together I know you will solve this problem. Find if they have a sound system. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to get Caroline to send you a song that she wants to walk down the aisle I had to, to. make a playlist. Make a little Spotify playlist, yeah. which was fine. And what I've learned from that is nobody gives a fuck about the ceremony musicians. Okay, Here's a big thing. I think everybody has a thing that they, even I, someone who was not really planning their own wedding, even as they were planning their wedding. Um, so everyone has a thing, a non-negotiable in their head that they're like, this is really important to me. For Gavin, it was uh, designing all of the invites by hand and they were beautiful. They were beautiful. I mean, they were. All, it was, there was a digital PDF. We didn't faff around with post, which I See, think was, was great. See, that was another great call. Yeah. I don't know if I will be able to, would I, would be able to resist the siren song of beautiful stationery, but I love beautiful stationery more than anything in the world. And you don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck at all. And you just emailed them, and it was so nice because it was like all the, all information. the information is here. One key aspect is wrong. Every but... other wedding I've been to this summer, I have had to photograph the invite or get someone else to send me a photograph of the invite, mm-hmm. and it's been stressful because it's been like, okay, so now I need to copy from this photo the wedding website, mm. wedding PDF, wedding PDF. It was lovely. Gavin's a designer and an artist. And so he was like, did these beautiful custom illustrations, but also scanned in drawings I had done of our dog years ago that he had kept, but also had drawn in like a doodle from like a 5th century, 15th century architect. Like, it was just stunning. And he cared very much about that. I oh, cared. Is that when the drawings were from? Yeah. They were from all over the place. But, you know, that one of the, the couple kissing. Yeah. Yeah, that was... That but the was one like, of the dog you drew ages ago and yeah, he kept. That's so nice. It. I thought you drew it specially. He's a very thoughtful man. He keeps these things. Um, but uh, what mattered to me was that we heard live music all day. Uh, I just... I, I, I just wanted that. I don't know why exactly, but it was important. It was more important than the dress and the flowers and anything like that. And so I went out of my way to really, like, source people who I thought would be good. And... The, the particular moment that I had in my head since the beginning, even before we got engaged, was I wanted to walk down the aisle to the musical kind of overture bit of Rainy Night in Soho by the Pogues, which is a very meaningful song to me and Gavin. Also an Irish song. You know, we met in Soho. 
Like, it's a very beautiful piece of music and I wanted a pipe player and a violin player to be playing that and that was at the centrepiece of my imagination of the most romantic part of what my wedding was going to be. And that music does not exist on Spotify. So I walked back, we walked back down the aisle to nothing. We walked back down the aisle to our friends and family cheering really loudly and <laughs> clapping. And I, it was this realisation of like, what got you here won't get you there. That sometimes the best part of a dream is imagining it and imagining what that moment would be like. But once you actually get to that moment, you don't need it. Yeah, because you wouldn't have been able really to hit the music. I wouldn't, would have been... You wouldn't have been here because we were cheering too loudly. Because we love you. <laughs> yeah, and also it felt like because there was been all these snafus earlier in the day, everyone in the in the audience was like, yeah, we pulled it off, lads. Like we all like, I, almost everyone in this room really gave felt... someone a lift or did something or did whatever in order to get this to happen on time. And so there was this real communal sense of effort happening. And that was lovely. And was I think... So lovely. <laughs> Made it feel traditional in another way. So not traditional like country house wedding, traditional like, this is a church hall and we're all doing our bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there had to be that bit where they had to go, someone had to go and find our flowers because obviously we were driving around for an hour. Yeah. So we couldn't pick up the flowers. Uh-huh. So it's like the flowers, someone needs to bring the flowers yeah. to the exact spot where we would be dropped off. And then we had like Tash in her beautiful dress waving us through to the service entrance and just, going going in through the woodshed. Yeah. In the going most, in through the woodshed. In the most expensive gowns we will ever wear. Yeah. It was just gorgeous. And I, I, I keep I keep pausing myself as we have this conversation being like, do people want to know about this? But I like talking about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I think people do. I think I want to know all the personal life. People love people love hearing about other people's weddings. I do anyway. Yeah, I do. But like I don't and know. I, and also the fuck ups are nice. The fuck ups are the nice. The fuck ups give it character. And here's the thing as well, is like not to be like, there's this thing that when Lauren was on the podcast of uh, she cited the wedding from that Richard Curtis movie About Time where it's like, oh, you know, it was it was raining and the marquee blew down and they all went inside and they were dripping wet, but it was perfect. And he chose not to change it, even though he has that ability because it was perfect the way it was imperfect. And the how kind of pat that is instead of like, OK, whatever. <laughs> but wouldn't you have preferred if it wasn't raining kind of thing? But like there is... I don't know, something in, in like, like the, the most romantic part of the day actually ended up being, you know, Brendan Fiddle was nowhere to be seen. We were, went all back to the sort of patio of this big house for drinks and canapes. And in the, just inside the door was this big grand piano where we were told, you know, you can hire a pianist if you want. And we were like, eh, hiring a pianist, not really our style. And also the fiddle player will be doing his bit outside. So we won't need that. And then... Our dear friend Harry Harris, who does the music for this podcast, who has lived in Scotland for the last seven years, I would say, there or thereabouts, just who who is a, who is a musician but a folk musician and a guitarist, just sat down at the piano and started playing. And I was in a band with Harry for five years, and he didn't play piano then, but he taught himself during lockdown, and he didn't tell anybody, and he just started playing. And he started playing the music that we wrote together when we were much younger people. Oh no, crying. <laughs> and then and we started singing along to it. And then you and Tash were like, oh, the song. Because like the thing about me and Harry's band was that it was a band for our friends. Like we did apartment gigs. Like we never really bothered. Apartment gigs is such a big word for yeah. sing songs. <laughs> yeah, it was like we had a couple of apartment gigs where we were like, everyone come over. We've written four new songs. It is a gig. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but like mostly it's just like at the end of every night it would be 
me and Harry showing you guys the new songs and you guys going, great, we're going to learn every single word because that was what our 20s was like and it was lovely. And we just started singing it and then everyone was like, what are these songs? (laughs) What are these? They, They seem to know every word. Yeah, of the song that no one has heard. And then just looking up and everyone being around us and then Gavin began singing Raglan Road and everyone lost their shit. It was really beautiful. And my favourite part was Gavin was singing Raglan Road and it was so moving and your mum was just like, I told him to learn those bloody words. (laughs) She was like, five years ago. And I think that was part of it for me was like the depth of relationship. It was like, everyone knows Raglan Road is Gavin's song. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would say half the guests, if they've been like, what would Gavin sing? Yeah. At this point would have been like, he's going to sing Raglan Road. Yeah, that's his bit. That's Gavin's bit. That's what Gavin does when you say to him, sing. Yeah, yeah. And he, when he got stuck on the words, and Tessa, was, who had never oh, heard the song. Yeah. So she was like, what is this song? What is this song? And I was like, it's Michael and Rotas. And she was like, I'm finding the lyrics, finding the lyrics. And she crawled under the piano to give she Gavin the lyrics. She crawled under the piano bench and then lift up, lifted up her phone. Like, it was so insane. So that Gavin could sing with his heart and not be stumbling over the words. It was so beautiful. And then me and you and your mum sang Walking in Memphis. Yeah. And it was just this moment that you could never have planned. No, no. And what is interesting to me is that actually, years ago, that was the only thing you had said about your wedding. And you're like, I wish there would be a, like a room with instruments where people yeah. could just start playing and people would just start singing. And I think we quickly were like, well, that's impossible to have at a wedding. Yeah, you can't especially a wedding to, abroad where you can't bring you the instruments. You can't just ask might, people to yeah. leave their nice guitars in a room. Yeah. And yet that's what happened. It was the only thing I'd ever really heard you express a wish for in your wedding. Yeah. We quickly ruled it out as being impossible and then it happened. Yeah, it was so beautiful. And then like the dinner bell rang and then, yeah, we just sang songs until dinner and then we went in and had all the speeches and the loveliness and... All the speeches and all the crying. All the crying. I don't think I, I feel like getting into the speeches feels too much into veering into the like the deeply personal for some reason. I think so, but I think what was nice about the speeches was that they were all very from the heart. They weren't pat. They weren't. Yeah. They were just like let me tell let me tell you strangers, some strangers, some friends about my love for Caroline and Gavin and their love for each other. Yeah, and that was really nice. What was the biggest and most beautiful surprise to me was that like. Gavin and I had been both been very secretive about what our speeches would be. And then we effectively had the same speech in terms of what we appreciated in each other. We came up with the exact same thing, which was basically the both of us said in our own words, I'm a miserable bastard and you make life joyful for me. And I just want to be good enough to be joyful back, essentially. That is what you said. And the fact that both of us thought that they we were the miserable bastard, the other person was the joy and the light has like really seen me through <laughs> like it's like but that was it I think I was having a conversation I've had obviously many debriefs about this wedding with everybody <laughs> attending because I the see the funnest it. part is like I now that we're all back in London I see it as an extension of a maid of honour role I must mm. canvas opinions I must go around with my little clipboard mm. and someone was like oh they just seemed like they'd never had a second of like stress or doubt about their relationship ever and I just can't believe that that's real and I was like no all relationships have stress and doubt but that's what this day is for mm. is to is to put a waypoint in to be like this is how this is the truth like when yeah. you get right down to it this is how we feel and this is this is why everything else every other like stress and hassle that comes with like living in close domestic proximity to a person mm. 
with their own desires and ambitions and dreams and failures. All of that actually comes down to, I need to tell you that you make me really happy. And I need to tell you that in front of everyone we know, so that if we veer off course, we will remember that we did it. That we said, you make me happy. And and that's what this is for. Oh. Oh. It was a really nice wedding. It was a really great wedding, I think. But I think we should kind of come to advice, tips and learning. Advice, tips, learnings. I only have have advice for maids of honour. I would say my advice to maids of honour is friend of the pod, Tessa Coates. So many friends of the pod. It's almost like friends of the pod is friends of Caroline. Well, here's the thing. I'm too lazy to actually seek real guests. So I just keep asking friends over and over again. (laughs) So Tessa Coates said to me, bridesmaid, maid of the bride, servant of the wedding. And that was a really useful thing for me to hear Mm. because it was like, your job here is to support your friend as she does this big thing. Your job here is to make this run smoothly and beautifully. And I really took that to my heart. And I think that if you are a maid of honour, you should too. And your reward is the honour. Like People, you are the maid and everyone will honour you for it. I did not buy a drink all night. Neither (laughs) night. Didn't put my hand in my pocket once. It was great. People just kept being like, the maid of honour. Let me buy you a double whiskey. And I, I don't... I don't know if I do recommend drinking only whiskey and Prosecco for 14 hours. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, it's what I did. Maybe it would be better if you weren't trying to get on a boat the next day. That was bad. There was Mm -hmm. a wrapping the head in the hoodie and lying on the floor of the boat incident. (laughs) It was poor. But it it was powerful. And because of being the servant of the wedding, what your job is, is to just have your eyes open. The bride is blind. The bride mm-hmm. is blind with people being like, oh, so beautiful. The bride can see nothing. Mm-hmm. Your job is to be like, there's a lot of smashed glass on that dance floor. Mm-hmm. I am going to find someone and make them give me a broom. And your job is to be like, why is there music playing over the speeches? Oh, my God. I remember just like tears in my eyes listening to my father-in-law and then just leaning over to you whispering, can you fucking sort out that speaker? <laughs> what was weird is I found out later it was only the speaker above you. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, so I was like, oh, no, it's ruining the ambiance. No one else. ruining my ambiance. Everyone else thought I had left because I was too overcome by m- my feelings. Oh. Which is sweet, really. Yeah. It's just like the maid of honour can't cope with the, father, with the father of the groom. And to be fair, I couldn't. It was... Yeah. It was really moving. Yeah. What other learnings do I have? I would say people are going to have the wedding they're going to have. And by that I mean, I could no more have made you care about flowers mm-hmm. in, like... February or March, the appropriate time to book a florist and a photographer. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had made you do that, and there was a point where I was like, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to bully her. Into sit doing her down this. and be yeah. like, do it now on this computer. I don't care. Very <laughs> much eat your greens. <laughs> eat your greens. And if I had, it wouldn't have been your wedding. It would have been my wedding. Mm. And I think if you've got a friend who is a complete control freak, just give in to the tide. Just be like, sure, you're a control freak. You want to book all the flowers Mm -hmm. a year in advance and it really, really matters to you and accept that that's what you're going to do. I think actually my big advice for everybody involved in a wedding is just go with it. Go with the tide. Yeah. Don't fight it. As I kept saying to you on your wedding day, go limp, Caroline, go limp, go limp. You gotta go limp. Particularly in those last weeks, you gotta go limp. I think I started saying, like, it is generally my life motto when faced with a difficult circumstance. Yeah. Just go limp. Go limp. Totally. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? That's it. I remember that there was like in the in the final like week beforehand, 
we had realized that we not to go into too much detail but like a friend of ours um we thought he was leaving his kids at home it turns out that he thought he was bringing his kids and we were like oh crap we haven't provided for this at all on like a food level or on a like size of the room level or like entertainment for kids level whatever and it was like hmm I could freak out about this or I could simply find a babysitter and set up a room and just like go limp and be like yeah more the merrier kids sure I actually and those kids ended up those specific kids a great asset to the wedding (laughs) I would say yeah the kids who ended up at your wedding made me be like it's really nice to have kids at a wedding. It really That's is. That's what it is. Kids yeah. and old people. The whole community must be there yeah. to witness. Yeah. You know, I have a friend who, when she got married, was so overcome by the whole community must witness that she invited the man from the stationery shop. Oh. Well, he had printed all their wedding invites. Oh. And then he turned up with, like, a like a placemat that he had made because, of course, he knew the date of the wedding. No, it was like a photo book. Uh-huh. It was just like a photo album that he had put the date of the wedding on because, of course, he knew because he'd been printing all the invites. Yeah. And my friend was like, yeah. And I just invited him because I thought, you should witness this. You should. That's so lovely. And I, well, I think that was quite mad. That's quite mad. I, it wouldn't be me, but I do Couldn't think be it's me, nice. Yeah. But I understand the sentiment of being mm-hmm. like, everyone must come together to witness this. Yeah. I think it's nice. It's why we keep doing it, even though it's crazy money, crazy stress, mm-hmm. and is incredibly outdated. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we should all just be like signing dull forms and being like I am civilly connected to this man I am civilly connected to this person and now you can give me a tax break no that doesn't do it it's it's open to everyone and we just don't do it we're all like yes I will pour £20,000 into nothing because £20,000 is the price of everyone we love and care about or like a significant proportion of those we love and care about witnessing that we make each other happy yeah And it's also like you need to bank those memories because you'll need to draw on them later. I think it's interesting because the meaning of weddings has shifted slightly because people used to get married in their very early 20s most of the time. And it was about launching two people into their adult life together. And now it is about celebrating the adult life that people have built together and the kind of adults that they are. You know what I mean? Yes, and I think that's why you get that disconnect where like people will be like, well, in my day we just spent £20 on a, a, yeah. a, a tin brass curtain ring and then we <laughs> wed in front of the priest or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, no, this is for a different... It's for the same social thing but a different yeah, it, rationale. Yeah. And I think what it has taught me is that big weddings aren't pointless. Yeah. You know, I personally have a lot of respect and love for a small wedding. Mm-hmm. But it has taught me that people spending money on weddings is for a reason and it's because ritual is important and ceremony is important and tradition is important and being part of that like being part of something very ancient I think is really really matters and it like it is the star that explodes and then all this dust gets on everyone's shoulders you know I feel like a wedding is good for the bride and groom, but a wedding is good for the families as well. Like, I would say the thing that me and Gavin kept saying in the weeks afterwards is like, our parents look fantastic. It's like, <laughs> there comes a point where, you know, I'd say that, you know, most people who are millennials, their parents are in their 60s or 70s. Um, There comes a point in their lives where most of the news and the ceremonies they're getting are to do with illness and death. Like, my dad has been to so many funerals in the last couple of years of like his best friends, you know, and that's just he's in his own form of whittling at the moment, you know, and 
there are vanishingly rare celebration moments anymore. And even celebration moments for big birthdays, like 70ths or 80ths or whatever, are tinged with a kind of a, I don't know, something a little shadowy, you know? Like, we all know what's coming kind of thing. I would say that my parents, in the days following my wedding, I saw a sort of a playfulness and a mischief and a goldenness that came over them just at having successfully performed family <laughs> for several days at people, you know? <laughs> so nice. But also because it gave them a chance to be like, look at our four golden children. Yeah. Look at our four golden children. And their four golden and our, partners. Their four golden partners and our beautiful grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And look at us here, like, in this lovely sunlight. Yeah. Or small bits of rain because it was still Ireland. <laughs> yeah. And it was very magical. And I... I think it was more about the families than I had expected. Yeah. And I think that was in some ways a factor of you and Gav having been together for so long. But I also think that's what weddings are for. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to kind of bring it back to the the more general. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, weddings are not just about the couple getting married. Weddings are about everybody. And it makes people who are married think, remember our wedding? And it makes people who aren't married be like, what if we got married? And mm-hmm. it makes people want that. It makes people think about who they love and who they would stand up in front of people with. And, you know, someone said to me it was a very kissy wedding and it was such a kissy wedding. (laughs) Everyone was kissing. (laughs) Yeah, I was kissing lots of people who were in Gavin. (laughs) Just real, real smooching people, you know. It was a real smoochy wedding. Yeah. Full of love. Full of love. Um, Yeah, and I would say if I, I have very few regrets about, even about the fuck ups, um, because I did think they sort of made it. I have only two regrets. One of them includes the website her.com. H-U-R-R. Do we have an offer code? <laughs> Do we have an offer code for our listeners? Listen, I have no problem with the, with H-U-R.com or H-U-R.com. Um, but I uh, got it into my head that I needed this Lulu Guinness bag and I rented it off the website at, uh, at a cool £28 a day. And I uh, then left it at home. And then I got home after you know spending like £110 on a designer bag I did not wear. Uh, and then I posted it back to the owner. The package got lost. And for about a day and a half there, it looked like I was on the hook for 500 quid for a bag I had never worn and will never see again. And uh, then yesterday I got the news that she received it. Uh, it was the largest relief. I, like, I feel like I've been spared from the guillotine. So my big regret is ever going down that road in the first place <laughs> because the bride doesn't need to carry anything except for flowers for three minutes the bride doesn't carry anything I think that was actually another maid of honour job was move the bride's jacket yeah move the bride's jacket from place to place mm-hmm. the bride has left a pencil the bride has got a thing mm-hmm. put it the bride's veil is somehow on the floor just put that in a place put that yeah put my stuff in a place thank you uh, and then my second, not regret, because the thing about the venue was that it was like only, uh, it, was, it was a certain capacity. And so we had to be fairly ruthless about, you know, who we were whittling our yeah. wedding party down to. Um, but my parents, when I was when I was planning it, were quite, they felt a type of way about them not getting more invites for their friends. And while... I do feel like I was hamstrung by the venue and by the type of wedding I wanted to have. I 
was very much believed when everyone told me your wedding, you should do your wedding exactly how you wanted to do, which I did. But like also I understood on the day that like, oh, this is a big day for them. This is about showing your friends and peers that you successfully raised a child to the point where they are being accepted by another family. <laughs> and like, that's huge. And like, it's I, so I, prim- I, it's so like, it's so primal, primal, it? it's so yeah. primal to be like, and now she goes to a different tribe. See? They accept her and her customs. Yes, because she's normal and we made her that way. <laughs> we made a normal one. Yeah. That's we a made big a desirable moment. one. And it's really hard to make a normal, desirable one. Like, Yeah, there's a lot so of awful difficult. people in this world. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wish I had been, not, not even necessarily that I'd given them more invites, but maybe I should have a couple more, but also that I had been sensitive to them wanting to invite their friends in the first place. That's really nice that your main lesson is the dream is not everything and also yeah, be kinder to your mum and dad. Be kinder to your mum and dad, yeah. Because even if your defence is, well, I'm paying it for, for it myself, I should be able to invite whoever I want. It's like, yeah, but they paid for your whole life for about 20 years. <laughs> they paid for your whole life for 20 years. Yeah. Let them have a pal. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think I was a bit of a pig about that, to be honest. You were a pig? I think I, was a, I, think I could have been less of a pig about it. It's wedding madness, babe. It's wedding madness. That's anyway. why you rented a small shell bag. <laughs> small shell bag that I never used and almost paid almost a grand for. Um, so that's it. Yeah, I don't think I have any more yeah. learning about weddings. I highly recommend it. I also don't think anyone should be bullied into having an original wedding when a traditional wedding will do. I think there's a real pressure on women to be like, wear a jumpsuit and a slash of red lip and... Uh, Oh, you know, God, do yeah, everything. Walk down some stone steps. Walk down some stone steps in your jumpsuit with a single red lip. Which, like, I'm sure that the first jumpsuit bride who who had a red lip and a, you know, I'm sure she had a great time and it was all her idea. But like, I think there's a there's a pressure to seem like you You're don't quirky. care. You're not buying into the whole myth. You don't need to wear a dress exactly. and tell everyone. But maybe you do, and that's okay to want that. It's okay to want and I think, that, and it feels great. I mean, it's really a sentimental garbage message, isn't it? Mm. Weddings, they're sentimental garbage. Yeah. What could be more garbage? What could be more sentimental? Yeah. And yet, they're nice. And, you know, if we go back to first principles of this podcast, it was traditionally traditionally feminine coded things are nice. Yeah. Even when culture tells you you should be over it or it's not cool. And your wedding was not cool. It was so fun and nice. Mm. But it wasn't cool and original. It wasn't like, wow. And, yeah, it's all graphic. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.